0: you've been with us, we've been walking through the book of Romans um, for just a couple of months. For some of you, it feels like since about, you know, the last decade we've been in the book of Romans. But it's just been the last few months, and we're in Romans chapter 11 today. We'll get there in just a couple of minutes, but before we get there, I want to ask you a couple of questions. I don't want to, you know, divide the room too much, but I just want to ask a couple would-you-rather type questions. Maybe you've done this before, you did a corporate icebreaker, an icebreaker in a small group or something, and you've heard these types of questions before. I'm going to ask you, would you rather, and give you two options, and you have to pick a side, okay? You may not feel passionately about it, but you have to pick one or another, and we'll just show by, you know, we'll do it by a show of hands, what you would prefer. Nothing, nothing too crazy here. Uh, so let me start with this. Would you rather go on vacation in the mountains? or at the ocean? How many of you are mountain people? That's definitely me. You don't wanna be covered with sand and salt at the end of the day, that's me. What, what about, who are the ocean people in the room? All right, there's the ocean people, all right. How about this? Would you rather curl up in front of the television or curl up with a good book? Which one would you rather do? If those are your options, how many of you would curl up in front of the television? I'll raise my hand on that one. <laughs> it depends on, I guess, the day. How about a good book? You're a good book. There you go. Now, this one's going to be pretty divisive, okay? So I just want to prepare yourself for this one. If you had to go get a hot beverage, would you go to Dunkin' Donuts or would you rather go to Starbucks? How many of you go to Dunkin' Donuts? You'd rather go to Dunkin' Donuts? How many would you go to Starbucks? Starbucks. There you go. You had, everyone with their hand up has a half-finished novel right now that they're writing. So... Um, let, let me ask you one more. We'll ask you one more. Would you rather uh, Donald or... No, I'm not going to ask that one. That's, <laughs> ask that one. Yeah, so we'll stay away from that one. Here's what, here's what can happen. There's all these sorts of things, right? There's all these sorts of things. Some of them uh, real big things, right? Like what we aren't going to get into. And some of them uh, are small things. Ocean, mountains. Uh, Some of them are medium things, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, I know can be important. But here's what can happen. All of us find ourselves in certain categories. We have certain belief systems. We have certain tribes that we're a part of. So, uh, I mean, in this part of the country, very specifically, the Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks tribes are real things, right? The Apple products tribe and the non-Apple products tribe are real things. Uh, and when we find, put ourselves into those different tribes, when we throw our hat in that ring, uh, a number of things happen. But one thing that can happen is we can look back across at the other people, the people that think differently than us, the people that believe differently than us, the people that think a different experience is better than we think it is, And we can very easily start to become arrogant towards the people that think differently than we do. And it can be as simple as the mountains or the beach. We can find our group, our group of people that love to go mountain climbing, and we can get together and go camping at 10,000 feet. And while we're camping at 10,000 feet, we can say to ourselves, I'm so glad you're not like those ocean people. Those people that think it's a good idea to sit in the sand and sweat while they're reading a book. And vice versa. You can sit at the ocean around and, and say, I'm, I, those people that like to be outside, those, those people that, that like to eat you know, protein bars and climb, like, those are just not my people. And it can happen as simple as that. But when we get into the more serious things, well, then it happens quite often. Where we put ourselves in a camp, we put ourselves in a tribe, we put ourselves in a certain belief system, and then we look back at the people that think differently than us. And we may not verbalize it, we may not tell everybody this, but in our minds and in our heads, we start to think things and say things like, I'm glad I'm not those people. And we don't do it at work, and we don't do it uh, you know, when we're out with, with people, but when we're alone with our closest friends or just in our own thoughts, we can look at, those, at the group that's the other, and think to ourselves, I'm so glad I'm not them, or I'm smarter than they are, or if they only knew what I knew, they would think like I do. And it certainly happens in things like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks on a lower level, it definitely happens in politics, and it absolutely happens when it comes to our spiritual beliefs and our faith in Jesus Christ. What can happen is is that we can throw our hat in the ring with Christ and we say, okay, I'm doing this thing. I'm putting my trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow him. And then we can find ourselves looking at the people that don't choose to do that and starting to think about them differently than we did before. If you were with us last week... If you were with us last week, we answered this question. We said, okay, the gospel is for everybody. That's what Paul keeps telling us in Romans. This story that comes through Jesus is for everybody, but not everybody believes it. Well, why is that? And we said, well, some people don't believe because they haven't heard and understood, and we need to tell them and explain. But some people have heard and understood and still don't believe. Some people have heard and understood and still have said, I don't want it. I'm not going to follow Jesus. And maybe you're in the room this morning and that's where you're at, and I'm glad you're here. But that's where some people are. And the question I want us to think about this morning is the person who has somewhat heard and understood, or the person who has heard and understood, and decides not to follow Jesus with their life, how does God view that person? And how should we, as followers of Jesus, if that's who you are, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, how should we view the other? Or the person that has not chosen to follow. Paul in Romans chapter 11 is talking to the people that have chosen to follow Jesus. And he's talking to them about the people who are not choosing to follow Jesus. And he gives them a very specific warning. He gives them an idea that will help them as they go and interact and think about the people that are not coming with them and not choosing to follow Jesus. And I'll paraphrase what Paul says here. I'll give it to you right up front, and then we'll talk about it a little bit this morning. This is what Paul says to the people in Romans chapter 11. If I could try to boil it all down, there's some confusing stuff in there, and if you don't know all the background and all the history and all the Greek and everything, it can be a little confusing. But if we had to boil all of these verses down into one idea and one thought, Paul comes to the people that are following Jesus, and he says... When it comes to thinking and interacting with the people that are not following Jesus, you who are following Jesus, you need to remember where you came from. That's the idea that I think Paul tells the believers in this chapter. And we'll talk about what that means. He's telling them you need to remember where you came from. There's a big push in our culture and in our world to go back and figure out our roots, isn't there? For instance, I mean, you've seen the commercials on television. You can go to Ancestry.com, you know about this probably, and you can uh, start an account and and you can try to figure out your roots and view all the paperwork from Ellis Island or whatever documents are there that that go back and tell you about who you are and where your family comes from. There's television shows that do this, uh, that will will, uh, follow a celebrity or will follow a person and they'll go to to Europe or Africa, wherever they're from, and they'll trace their roots back and they'll try to figure out who they were. Ancestry.com's tagline right now, if you go to their website, is discover what makes you uniquely you. That's their tagline. And the idea with all of this finding our roots stuff is that it'll bring more meaning to our life. If I understand who I am and where I come from and who my ancestors were, then my life today will have more meaning. This is exactly what Paul's saying to the believers in Romans chapter 11. If you would understand where you come from spiritually, if you would understand your roots, if you would understand the backstory to where you are today with Jesus, then your life with Jesus, your relationship with God will have far more meaning than if you ignore that reality. And so we're going to look at what Paul means when he tells the believers to remember where they came from. And I think what he's saying to us today, and saying to the believers in Rome at the time, is two things. We'll get into that in a minute. But let's read what he writes here. I'm going to read uh, Romans 11 verses 1 through 6, and then I'm going to jump to verse 11 and read through verse 24. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen behind me. This is what Paul writes. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. And I alone am left and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. And then verse 11. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so the whole lump, and if the whole root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches, if you are. Remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even if they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Now you're saying to me, How in the world did you get remember where you come from out of that? Well, I'll tell you. This is what I think Paul's saying to the believers. Paul's talking to the two groups that are in his audience at the time. He's talking to the fact that there is a Jewish audience that's in that culture and in that community. And he's talking to the non-Jewish audience, who Paul refers to as the Gentiles. Now what's happened at this point is Jesus has come, he died on the cross, he rose again, he went back to heaven, and now Paul is out planting churches and doing ministry. What Paul has found is that for the most part, he's painting with a little bit of a broad brush, but for the most part, the people that are culturally Jewish and religiously Jewish have chosen not to follow Jesus. Now Paul is Jewish. He says that in this passage, and he's chosen to follow Jesus. But by and large, he's bringing up this point again, that that many have not chosen to follow Jesus. On the other hand, the largest part of the church at the time, this early church, were the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, who had chosen to follow Jesus. And what Paul sees happening in the church at that time is all the Gentiles, the non-Jewish folks that have started to follow Jesus looking back at the Jewish people who have chosen not to follow Jesus and developing an arrogance towards them. Oh, those people. Yeah, those are the people that chose not to follow Jesus. And this is what Paul says. He says to them, remember where you came from, and the reason he says it to the Gentiles is because when you forget where you came from, you become arrogant inside. And Paul takes a moment to remind the Gentiles That all the work that God did up to Jesus coming onto this earth all the work that God did, the backstory behind everything that led up to Jesus coming was done through, by and large, through his chosen people. And God's chosen people were and are the Israelites, the Jewish people. And Paul's saying to the believers, be very careful that you would look at this group of people who for thousands of years, God has been working through and God has been uh, revealing himself through. Be very careful because right now in this moment, they're not following Jesus be very careful looking back at them and saying uh, that they're maybe foolish or writing them off or or not uh, relating to them. Be very careful doing that. Don't be arrogant, Paul says. If you forget where you come from, you will become arrogant. Paul gives this illustration of the olive tree. And uh, I found this very interesting. I went to I thought to myself, grafting olive branches into an olive tree must have been something that olive farmers did or do. And so I went to uh, the place that I go for all of my olive tree questions, theoliveoilsource.com. Maybe you go there too. Uh, Google helped me find that. But on their website, they had a question. It had nothing to do with this Bible passage. Uh, The question was, If I have two olive trees, one healthy and one unhealthy, can I take branches from the unhealthy olive tree and graft them into the healthy olive tree? And this is what the answer is on oliveoilsource.com. They said, in just a little paragraph, and I feel like it has so much meaning for this passage and what Paul's trying to say. They said, if you have an olive tree with a healthy root, but a low yield of olives, so it's a strong tree, the root goes deep, but let's say it doesn't produce many olives. And you have another olive tree that the root system isn't well developed. Maybe the soil's rocky or something, and the root system isn't well developed. But it's producing a lot of olives. One thing that you can do is you can cut the branches off the tree that's producing a lot of olives. You can put them on the olive tree that has the strong roots, but not many olives. Tie them together, and over time, they will grow together, and what will happen is the branches from the old olive tree will continue to maintain their uniqueness, even though they're now a part of the tree that has the deep root, and I thought that's exactly what Paul's saying. You would be able to look at that olive tree, the website was saying, and you would be able to tell which branches were from which tree. Because the ones that had a lot of olives would be the ones that were grafted in. And the ones that didn't have many olives, you would be like, well, those were the original branches with the deep roots. But the new branches benefit from the deep roots. And the old tree benefits from the many olives. And that's exactly what Paul's saying with this olive tree illustration. He's saying God, for thousands of years, built the roots of salvation through the Jewish people, And even though they may not be choosing to follow God right now and follow Jesus right now in this moment, they're still the root of this tree. And God has taken you from outside of that tree And grafted you in so that you might benefit not only from salvation, but also from the root of the tree, everything that God has revealed himself to be, and everything that he's done in and through the Jewish people. Paul's saying, listen, don't be arrogant towards this group, even if they're not following Jesus right now, because they are a huge part of your story. They're a big part of the backstory of your salvation, and you can't just cut off a part of your story. It would be wildly arrogant to do so. In 2015, last year in June, um, our favorite Bostonian, Ben Affleck, uh, he was going to be on a TV show on PBS called Finding uh, Your Roots. And it's a show that uh, is hosted by a, a professor at Harvard, and it's been on PBS for a couple seasons. So Ben Affleck, what he does, he takes celebrities... And he takes them back to their country. He does all this research. The Harvard professor does all this research. And then he presents the research to the celebrity and says, this is, these are your ancestors. So Ben Affleck's sitting at the table, and they do the whole interview. One piece of the interview was the uh, host of the show explaining to Ben Affleck that he had ancestors who owned slaves. That's a part of his background three, four generations ago. After they taped the show, Ben Affleck was really bothered by that, as as I think any of us would be. And he went back to the producers of the show, and he went back to the host, and he convinced them to edit that out of the final episode. So all the talk about his ancestors that had owned slaves was edited out of the final episode. When people found out that they had edited this piece out of the episode, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a big backlash on social media. and In fact, PBS took a very popular show and suspended it for a whole year. They took the entire third season of this show and they didn't air it. And I think the show is going to come back in like a year. But everyone was so bothered by the inconsistency of saying we're going to be talking about your background and talking about your roots and then trying to hide the background or trying to discount the background trying to pretend like it doesn't matter, we don't have to talk about it. And Paul's saying the exact same thing to the people. Don't be so arrogant that you think you can just deny everything that came before you and it doesn't inform anything about today. Don't live like that in your spiritual life. And I think that if Paul were here today, we may not necessarily in our daily life feel the same tension between the Jewish and the non-Jewish peace when we're living our life here in our current context. But what we might feel as followers of Jesus is the fact that we used to be without Jesus Christ. And we know a lot of people who are without Jesus Christ right now. We know a lot of people who are choosing not to follow Christ. I mean, our coworkers, our family, our friends, we live in a part of the country where that's just true. We know a lot of people that don't and Paul would come here and he would say to us don't you become arrogant about those people because you follow Jesus now you used to be those people you were once a sinner without Christ that's part of your backstory that's part of your ancestry that's where you were so don't forget where you came from don't become arrogant about that don't start writing people off because they're not choosing to walk with Jesus today remember that's you And that's just the first part of what Paul says. Paul comes and he says, listen, remember where you came from, because if you forget, you'll become arrogant. And the second part of that is, when we become arrogant as Christians, we forget how far and how wide and how deep the love of God reaches. When we become arrogant, we forget how God sees people and how God Loves people. The followers of Jesus, they had set apart the Jewish people. Or Paul saw this coming, perhaps. That they were going to set apart the Jewish people that were not following Jesus. And they were going to, in some way, write them off. Or in some way say, God doesn't love them anymore. Because they don't follow Jesus. And Paul's saying, be very careful about that. Be very careful at looking at a group of people. Be very careful at looking at the Jewish people in this context and saying that God doesn't love them anymore. Don't, Don't say that because when you say that, you're discounting how deep and how wide and how far the love of God goes. Look at what Paul says in verse 23. This is what he says in verse 23. He says, and even they, that's the Jewish people, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. Even they, Paul says. And Paul in that phrase is recognizing that the early church was viewing these people as outsiders and others. As the ones who God didn't love anymore. As the ones who didn't have a pathway anymore. And Paul's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Even they, even they can have a relationship with God again. Again. When we were going through the primary season with all this, the politics, and there was, you know, 85 people running for president. You remember this whole season we were in. There was a phrase that was used over and over again as we were just, you know, waiting for people to drop out of the race. And uh, the phrase that the talking heads on television would use and the phrase the candidates would use themselves is a viable path to election. And so the candidate would get up and, and, you know, it would say, listen, our team feels like there's still a viable path to election. Or the, the CNN or the Fox News or whoever, people would be up there and they would say, you know, there's still a, you know, Bernie, John, whoever, there's still a viable path to election here. And so they're going to stay in the race. And then when it was time to drop out, they would come up, their candidate would come up or the commentator would, would say, you know, there just really isn't a viable path to election anymore. And Paul is saying, listen, With God's love, the way it works, is it doesn't matter how far away someone walks from God. It doesn't matter how far away they seem from God. It doesn't matter if they hear everything about God and they reject it and they throw it right back at you. There is always and there remains a viable path to salvation for anybody who is living on this earth. There always is a viable path to salvation. God never writes people off. God never rejects a group of people in that way. There is always a viable path to salvation. And so Paul's saying, be careful. Don't forget where you came from. You were once sinners. These people are a part of your spiritual background and your spiritual root. So don't look at them and become arrogant and don't write them off. Because even they, even they, if they would choose to trust trust Jesus Christ, would be brought right back in. And I wonder this morning, who are the even they's in our world today? I don't have to tell you this, you and I know, there's many people that say they reject following Jesus because the church is so adamant about keeping out the even they's or treating the even days in a certain way. And i am got to be real honest with you. Sometimes I'm not proud, and I haven't been proud, of how we as followers of Jesus treat the even days. Because what we do is we segment off sometimes a group of people, and we say, those people are out. And the love of God has left those people And we start to view those people, the groups that we come up with, and the even days that we put out there, as issues to be solved and not people to be loved. And in God's kingdom, people, individuals, are never issues to be solved. They're always people to be loved, people that God has created, people that God has made, and no matter how far away they are from Jesus at the moment, they are still people to be loved. I was reading this book that I really enjoyed called Good Faith. It came out this year by Dave Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons. And they reminded me of this point. That there, yeah, there's issues to solve in our world. But primarily, people are people to be loved. They're not issues to be solved. When I encounter the individual that's part of an even-they group... They're a person to be loved, they're a person created by God, they're a person who God still loves, there's a viable path for salvation for them, and I should treat them as someone to be loved and not just an issue to be solved. And I wonder how many of us, if we walked out on the street this morning and we saw a family walking down the street that would that was clearly Muslim, if we would say to ourselves, now there's an issue we gotta solve. Or if we would say to ourselves, there's some people that we need to love. There may be issues out there to solve, but the individual people that we work with and that are around us, no matter how far we may think they are away from God, deserve to be loved and experience God's love. And we have these even-day groups. In church world, we've got a lot of them. We've got the Muslim community, we have the LGBTQ community, we have these places where we put people in these even-they groups, and we say, whether we mean it or not, what comes across in the way that we communicate and the way that we live is we say, those even-they groups, they've gone so far that they're out. And Paul would stand up here and say, what are you talking about? No one can go far enough that God's love doesn't reach them. And there's a viable path to salvation for anybody if they would choose to believe. So don't for a moment forget where you came from. In your place where you didn't have Christ. In your place where you're lost. And don't for a moment think that people didn't come alongside you and help you and love you towards Christ. And don't for a moment think that God has forgotten about those people. The very first question in this passage, has God rejected his people? And I know Paul's talking about the Jewish people there. And Paul says, by no means... And if we were up here, we would say, has God rejected those who are walking away from him? And the answer is the same, by no means, and we shouldn't either. When we forget where we've come from, when we forget what God saved us from, when we put ourselves in our bubble and we start just looking at other people as issues to be solved and not people to be loved, we become arrogant and we forget how deep and how wide and how powerful is the love of God. And we forget how much God loves people even when they're walking away from him. And we forget that when you're lost, you're lost and when you're found you're found and so when we were without Christ we were every bit as much without Christ as anybody else it's so easy isn't it it's so easy to get out of one group and then start looking back at the group you used to be in and just write that group off I mean, it's like we never get over getting asked to sit with a new group of friends in the lunchroom and then looking back at the old table we used to sit at and saying, I'm not glad I'm not with those people anymore. We never get over that in our life. We get a promotion at work and we look back at the group we used to work with and we're like, glad I'm not with those people anymore. I'm glad I get to be in charge of them now. Or we... Or we, we uh, you know, change our lifestyle. We, we lose a bunch of weight and we look back at other people and we might look at them differently. We stop smoking. We stop an addiction. We look back at the people that still do it and we have a certain way of looking at them. We do all this in our lives all the time. And I think we do it maybe not publicly, but we definitely do it in our hearts. And the same thing happens to us spiritually. We get in and we start following Jesus Christ and all of a sudden we can look back at those people who aren't doing it yet and we write them off and we say that there's no hope for them. And rather than and loving them the way that God calls us to love them and helping leading them towards Christ, we just say those people have no viable path. And so we'll get up on the stage and we'll get on the blog and we'll get on Facebook and we'll just let everybody know that that group, there's no hope for them. But God says something quite different. And Paul would say to us this morning, there isn't a single group of people that are walking away from God that God has walked away from. And so maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning. And maybe one of the reasons that you don't follow Jesus and maybe one of the reasons that you won't even consider it is because you know that you've been part of an even they group. And someone who follows Jesus has treated you like there's no hope for you with God, I want you to know this morning that God has not rejected you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what's been done to you. God has not walked away from you and his love is for you. And if you would choose to follow him, you can have a relationship with him. The significance, the meaning, the purpose, the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And I don't care if someone who follows Jesus told you that wasn't possible. It is possible. And God has not left you. And for those of us who do follow Jesus, there's someone in our life. There's someone in our life that consciously or subconsciously we've kind of written off. And we've said, you know what? Cousin so-and-so or coworker so-and-so or neighbor so-and-so or my niece so-and-so, like there's just no, they'll never see the light. Don't write them off. There's still a viable path to salvation for them. God's love is for them. Pray for them. Love them. Care for them the way the Lord does. When I was in high school, there was a, uh, a band. Uh, I didn't listen to it much, but it was definitely out there called Corn. Does anyone remember Corn? Backwards K, Corn. The lead singer of Corn is a guy by the name of Brian Welch. 2005, Brian Welch. I mean, this maybe goes without saying. Corn was not like a Christian band. Okay, this was—they were not leading worship. They were doing something quite the opposite. In 2005, uh, Brian Welch uh, he encountered Christ, and everything changed. In fact, in 2007, he wrote a book about it, and later this year, he has another book coming out about it. And everything changed. And in preparation for this sermon, I, I started to Google and I started to, to look and I just want to see, you know, now that we're like 11 years later, is this still the real deal? And I found this radio interview on, on a major radio station a month ago where Brian Welch was talking about the new life that he has in Christ and the relationship that he has in Christ and how another band member of Corn has come to follow Jesus with his life and all that God's doing in and through him. Let me tell you something. When I was in high school, and I saw this band or heard this music and knew who Brian Welch was, be real honest with you. If you had said, "Hey, you think one time Brian Welch will become a Christian?" I would probably not. Probably one of the least likely people. And he'll tell you that in his backstory, if you listen to it. But God did it. And the reason God did it is because people who are around him, even though he was way down the road of music and drugs and sex and everything that comes with that world, even though he was way down that road and way far away from God, there were still people who knew that there was a viable path for salvation for Brian Welch. And they weren't going to get arrogant about it, and they weren't going to think that there was no hope, but they were going to love him and show God's love to him. And you know what? For the last 11 years, he has been a follower of Jesus Christ and continues to follow Jesus Christ in the same way thing can happen in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in our families if we would love people the way that God calls us to love them so when it comes to the person that you don't know if there's hope for remember where you came from God did it for you he can do it for them I'm gonna invite our worship team to come back as we close this morning and I'd invite you just to bow your head and close your eyes and think with me for a moment You know, maybe in this time as we close this morning, maybe you need to take a moment and just ask God to forgive you. I know I have to do this from time to time. Ask God to forgive you for how you've categorized a group of people and how you've written them off. And you need to ask God and say, God, help me to love people the way that you love people. And yeah, I know there's issues to be solved you know, in our, in our world, but, but the individual people that are in front of us, God, help me to love those people the way that you love them. Maybe you need to come before God this morning and just ask him to help you do that. Maybe there's a very specific person in your life who you feel like you've you've said there's just no hope for them, there's no viable path for them, and it's a reminder today that even they, if they would choose to follow Christ, that God's love has not left them, and this morning you want to take a couple of minutes and just pray for them individually. My prayer is in these next few moments that God will do his work among us that we will be encouraged, that we will be revived. Maybe this morning you want to come before God and just be thankful because you know your story. And there was a time in your life where you were one of the even days and people looked at you and they thought to themselves, there's no way that person would ever follow God. And yet here you are, trusting in Jesus Christ, living faithfully, and you want to take a moment this morning and just thank God for all he's done. God, we love you this morning. We thank you for the work that you've done and in through Jesus Christ for us. And God, I pray that you would help us to be the kind of people that would go into this world and love people the way that you love them. Not to write people off, not to distance ourselves from people, but to realize that you love each and every individual in this world, that you are their creator, and that you offer them your love and your salvation, that no matter how far people have seemed to walk from you, you have not walked away from them. God, forgive us for the times that we as your church, that we as the body of Christ have stood up together and said there's no hope for this group of people. We forgot that your love goes far beyond anything. We forgot that when we were in that place, you loved us. God, help us to go and show your love the way you call us to. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close.